G'day and welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're talking to Pastor Phil McCallum from todayspastor.com. Welcome to History Makers, Phil. Thank you, Matt. Now, Phil, uh, you've got uh, kind of a half Australian, half American accent there. You've been in Australia for about 25 years, but you were born originally in New York. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was born way up on the Canadian border in a town called Ogdensburg and spent the first half of my growing up near Albany, New York, which is the capital. And my father was a pastor of a small church, um, incredibly faithful man of God. And my family had actually lived in New York for generations and had all been pastors for multiple generations and actually had started the denomination we were in. Then when I was uh, 13, most traumatic move of my whole life, we moved from New York to Oklahoma. And going from New York to Oklahoma, and that was painful, being a little Yankee boy down in this great this, the South country. So, um, yeah, that really formed and shaped my heart and actually prepared me for a later step when I came to Australia when I was 20. Well, if it's any consolation, my wife's favorite musical is Oklahoma. You know, is it? Is it? <laughs> is that? Does everyone talk about that musical? In in fact, in our school assemblies, at least once a month, we'd sing the song Oklahoma. Oh, and really? I, I could sing it now, but I'll spare <laughs> you listeners of the pain. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so you uh, come from a long line of pastors in your family. Um, when did you become a pastor? How did that happen for you? Did you? Uh, when did you become a Christian? Were you kind of brought up into it? How did that happen for you? Well, uh, strangely enough, though my parents were Christians, that um, was probably not the reason I became a follower of Christ. I had to work through a lot of intellectual issues. They say that your understanding of God comes from your relationship with your dad. And during my um, late teen years, my dad was working as PhD, so we didn't see him a whole lot. And as a result, I began to think of God as being pretty remote. And I had all sorts of intellectual questions and began to dismiss away the existence of God. I was pretty skeptical. And when I was about 17, I had this experience. It was actually after my sister's wedding. My sister and I were close. And there was something about the wedding that began to affect me, um, about the love and the nature of God. And I had this experience where I woke up uh, early in the morning, and I just had this sense that I wasn't alone, that the Lord was with me. And I'd never experienced my own personal encounter with the reality of God's presence. And I got out of my bed and I said, prayed a prayer, and I said, Lord, if if there is a God, save me. And it was as if someone had suddenly turned the world from black and white to full color and suddenly turned on the volume and I could hear birds sing and I could feel love. I never told anyone for weeks and then people started guessing, you know, what's happened? Because I became a more joyful and person. I remember at that time it just felt like somebody turned a fountain on in my heart and that's never gone away. Going into ministry, that was a whole other huge leap. Um, as a young boy, I had thoughts about it. But when I did university, my ambition was to go into international relations. I wanted to be a career diplomat. So I had done a degree in political science, and it was I was actually filling out my application for a degree, a master's in political science, so I could work for the U.S. State Department. And as I was filling out the application, I felt, again, this was the first experience I had of a real understanding of God speaking. I had this sense that I was wasting my life, and I felt this voice say, I have something more interesting for you to do if you'll trust me. So I actually threw the application away, and I said, okay, Lord, open the doors. And a month later, I, I met a, um, a pastor from Australia, and he invited me to come and be a youth pastor. It was a little church just outside of Melbourne, and was there for a short period of time, saw the, ch- the youth group grow really significantly, and um, a lot of kids who don't go to church who started coming along. And 
I just got addicted to helping people and seeing people come to know who Jesus is. Now tell me, uh, you were part of uh, a Wesley Methodist Church uh-huh. movement uh, down in Melbourne and then up here in Brisbane. And uh, one of your favorite stories that I, I love hearing you share is the story about the butterfly. It's a big story, but do you want to share that story with us? Yeah, after about seven years of my ministry, I went through um, what a lot of pastors go through. You experience, uh, you hit a wall of burnout. And for me, I think the burnout was, um, there were a lot of heart and life issues I'd never processed, I'd never let anyone look at, let alone God touch. And beyond that, um, I was I was working really hard, but I wasn't letting the Lord work through me. So I hit a wall, I just went to my doctor, and I thought, I'll take a couple weeks off. And <laughs> she said, well, let's start with uh, three months and we'll see where we go from there. <laughs> And I was just blown away. She said, you need, you have to take at least three months off. So um, I took three months off, and I went for these long walks every day. We lived by the state forest and um, went through some pretty challenging times emotionally. And, and one day just said, Lord, I'm just going to quit ministry. I'm going to go on construction because I grew up doing a lot of that. And I thought I'll just go into building and forget the ministry, forget mm-hmm. this. And um, after about a half hour of just arguing with God, um, there was this verse I read that, said, though you've seen troubles many and bitter, yet I'll restore your life again and give you hope and honor once again. And I said, well, God, if that's really true, it would be like you to encourage me. And I looked off in the distance, and there was this butterfly flowing by. And I said, it would be just like you to make that butterfly land on me, make me have to hope and believe. (laughs) And lo and behold, it did. And it landed on my chest, and it flew away, and it landed again, and again, and again, four times. Next day, I walked by the same spot, and I said, Lord, did that really happen? And this butterfly came out of nowhere and landed on me again. And was, I mean, there were no angels or anything, but it was a profound natural experience. And this is a verse in the Bible that says, the whole creation waits, as in the pains of childbirth, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And I felt like a butterfly had grabbed me by the collar and said, hey, wake up, buddy. <laughs> Get your act together. We're waiting for God's purpose to be revealed in your life. And it really made me wake up and begin to hope. And so since then, I always break for butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have spent um, over 25 years uh, in pastoral ministry uh, since that uh, early age of early 20s. Uh, tell me, um, what is a message that God's put on your heart for pastors? Uh, todayspastor.com is, is kind of like a mentoring website, a training website, an encouraging website. Um, tell us about the vision you have for that, uh, that ministry. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of ministries for pastors just load them up with more stuff to do. Um, most ministries focus on what a pastor does, and it usually comes back to the bottom line, getting more bottoms on seats. And that's wonderful. I have a huge passion for evangelism, want to see the church grow. But um, I think God is, first of all, interested in what, who a pastor is, not just what he does. And we need to work on issues that develop depth so that there's a deep root system so there can be a broad um, expansion of ministry and a flexibility of ministry. You can only flex if you have foundations. So those foundations are things like quality family life, quality relationship with God, a place to be authentic and real because as soon as a, a pastor becomes a pastor, he gets wrapped in plastic and uh, be some place to be authentic and see the real person. Um, to become a constant life learner, and to grow and expand because a lot of pastors just stop learning 
Um, so things that create depth in the life of a pastor. One thing that I know you've championed uh, over the years is the importance of doing daily devotions, mm-hmm. journaling. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you think that's important for, for people that call themselves Christians to, to have that daily discipline. Well, I need to be mentored daily by the Holy Spirit. Um, each day I receive emails and I read them. And some of those emails are important. Not They're not all spam. Some of them are financially important. I would be foolish if I just deleted all of my emails every day and never read them. Well, each day the Lord downloads wisdom. And if I don't listen by reading the Word of God, it would be just like dumping all of my emails into the, you know, the, the recycle bin. So for me, it actually began in those early days of ministry when I was 20 years old in this little country town in Victoria. And... My wife and I were engaged at the time. It was super expensive to phone. In fact, it cost $2 a minute, and uh, we just didn't have the money, so wrote letters every day. And those letters came at the local town post office. It was a couple miles away. I'd actually walk there to get the mail. But I wouldn't allow myself to go to get the mail until first I'd spend an hour in the presence of God. So I'd read my Bible, and I'd pray. And that began a habit that's uh, now 26 years old. Mm. And uh, one other thing that I know you're passionate about is uh, church is being creative. Yeah. Church is not just you know having a few songs and some announcements and a, a lecture. Uh, you, you like to use props. You like to use video clips, multimedia, interviews, drama, dance. Tell me um, why. Is it just for putting on a show? Like what's, what's, the, what's the heart behind that? You know, I, I used to be chaplain at a Christian high school, and we had a, a world-renowned educational specialist come in and do a seminar. And I had this huge revelation. No one had ever taught me this in all my preparation days of ministry, and all teachers know all about it, is that people learn with different learning styles. Some learn by movement, some by seeing, some by hearing. And I just sat there with my mouth wide open, and I thought everything I've ever been taught in ministry was about talking head, that the only way people learn is by listening. And I realized that only one-third of the congregation actually got anything out of it. And so I I went away from that realizing that my messages need to appeal visually and they needed to appeal in terms of action and those all those elements as well as speaking had to be involved. And then as I read in the Bible, um, there were cases where the prophets would use props to get across a message. And I just really felt that God asked me to use props and parables, sets and stories to communicate the message so that everybody went away with something. Mm, absolutely. Now, th- one of the other things that you love uh, doing uh, is teaching the design course. Mm-hmm. I've been a part of that this afternoon at, at a seminar up here in Brisbane. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what the design course is all about. Well, each person has been created with a particular design, that there's a work that you and only you can do that no one else can do but you. And we've been created for a purpose, and we're put here on the planet to discover what that purpose is. In the design course, we look at a whole number of factors. Um, What are a person's desires? What is a person's experiences in life? What are the spiritual gifts, the abilities that God gives? Um, What are their life experiences that have helped them in ministry? Where is their growth level? And what are just their natural abilities? So all these various things that come together to make a person's design. So it's it's about a five-hour course that involves a small group, lots of dialogue where they actually experience and their eyes come open they begin to understand what their design is when people have been to the design course uh, what is the expectation you have for people after they finish the course what should they do then once they've discovered their spiritual gifts and their uh, god-given talents etc 
Well, the way we put it is start small but start now. I don't think it's important that we, you know, get this ultimate, you know, absolutely zeroed focus place of ministry, but just start wherever mm. God has placed us to be. Mm. And as we begin to serve, God has a natural way of just navigating us to where we really belong. Mm. So we just encourage people to start now and start small. Mm. Start small and start now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, now, uh, Phil, there might be people listening in that are thinking, you know, this is good, all this talk about God and God's got a purpose for me and gifts for me and all this. But there might be people that are just away from God and haven't got that relationship with him. Um, what would your advice be to those listeners? How would they get closer to God? Well, Jesus was the only person who was totally human. Nobody else is because we all have hang-ups, we have issues, we have life baggage. Um, either we think too much of ourselves or too little of ourselves, one of the two. Um, but Jesus was the only one who had cut through all of that and lived a life where he developed all of his full potential. He lived only 33 years, and only three of those years were public. Yet his life has had more impact than any other human being. So Jesus was fully human, and it's not until we we follow him that we discover what it means to be really human. We're really only a part human being. So when I follow Christ, I get connected with the reason why I exist, and God lives his life through me. He, he created this intricate purpose inside of me, and when I become connected with the creator of my life, I discover this amazing purpose he has me here for. And tell me, um, you're also very uh, creative in your presentations. I'm just thinking of one that you've done, uh, The Gift of the Da Vinci Code. You did a TV show that was played in Australia and, and around the world in different areas. It's on DVD. Uh, tell me, uh, why did you want to tackle that issue? Uh, why did you want to address uh, that book that came out and uh, explain the truth behind The Da Vinci Code? Well, I get frustrated with uh, a lot of Christians and pastors and leaders who are against everything. And so Christians and churches become known by what they're against rather than what we're for. The Da Vinci Code was an easy target. and Everybody was shooting it down. But what I, as I listened to the debate, I didn't hear many Christians really engaging with the questions that were in it. They were so busy to knock down all of the arguments, they didn't even listen to what were the justified questions that were in the book. And so I decided not to be afraid of the questions, and we would engage the questions. And, yeah, there were lots of arguments against the teachings of Dan Brown, which, you know, historically weren't accurate. But um, through those questions, you can discover some powerful things. Mm, absolutely. Now, talking about books, let's find out a bit more about yourself. You've probably read hundreds and hundreds of books over the years. I know you like to read. But could you narrow it down to just a few books that you would say have influenced you and changed you and impacted your life so much? Um, one book I recommend to everyone other than the Bible, and that will change your life forever, <laughs> is a book by a um, a Catholic author. His name is Henry Nouwen, and it's called The Return of the Prodigal. And that book I recommend usually to everyone that I speak to in depth. Um, it answers this basic desire that we have as human beings, um, this desire for approval, um, for a sense of acceptance, um, for a sense of direction in life. Um, it's based around a painting uh, known as The Return of the Prodigal by Rembrandt, which hangs in a museum in St. Petersburg in Russia. And the author actually went and spent a whole month staring at the painting and then writing the book. And it's based on a biblical story about a son who runs away from home 
and takes the whole family wealth and causes great heartache and grief to his father, but then comes back home. And in that story is, is everybody's story. And that book, more than any other, really unwraps it. And I've read it many times and um, reflect on it often. Hmm. Uh, right now I'm reading a book that has really challenged me by Bob Buford. Bob Buford um, was, and last I knew, um, in the top 30 wealthiest men in the United States. He made his money through cable TV and through um, uh, movie cinemas. But recognized halfway through life, he had achieved success but not significance. And significance, he defined it as making a difference in the lives of others. And so had this huge career readjustment, did some things to um, – he has invigorated um, pastors and leaders in churches with a ministry called Leadership Network. The other is his whole halftime books, the books and all that goes with that. And halftime is this concept that around the age of 45, you have to ask this question, what do I do to discover significance in life? Not just living a life for more stuff or more achievement, but how can I really help others? And so uh, this book, Finishing Well, that he authors, interviews 60 successful people who went through this process and what practically happened. And it's really, it's caused me to reevaluate. I developed four questions out of this, and I've actually spent the last couple months meeting personally with people who've known me for a long time and uh, getting some direction on the next half of my life. Because, see, retirement isn't in the Bible, and it isn't God's design. He designed us to keep working as long as we can when we discover what it is we're really designed to do. And what you do when you do what you're passionate about, you never want to stop doing it. Absolutely. That's great. Well, Phil, our time's just about up. Uh, if people would like to find out more information about Phil McCallum uh, and uh, your ministry, uh, the website is todayspastor.com. That's right. And, uh, mate, you certainly are a history maker. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Matt. God bless you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this week's show. You can listen to this interview again or any of our other interviews. Simply go to historymakersradio.com. Thanks for joining us. History Makers.